Hi, I'm Amit Sharma at the All In Food Studios of the Food Decisions Research Laboratory at Penn State's School of Hospitality Management. Welcome to this podcast from our studio facility in the Marriott Foundation building of the School of Hospitality Management. The choices we make in our everyday life are influenced by a multitude of factors. From the moment we wake up, our experiences and even the sequence of experiences can impact how we make choices. This morning, I was reading a paper that investigated how mood can impact our financial decisions, often as much and even more than the numbers we are supposed to analyze for those choices. What makes these factors influencing our choices more consequential is that we can often be impulsive in how we respond to situations that require us to make choices. Same thing applies to food and drink. So in today's episode, we will be discussing one such influence, an important influence on our choices. Our discussion uh, today directly points towards sustainable development goal number 12 that emphasizes the importance of sustainable consumption and production. So to talk about this important issue, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Courtney Zox, who is an associate professor uh, who joined the marketing faculty in the Smeal School of uh, School of uh, Sorry Smeal College of Business at Penn State University this fall? Prior to joining Penn State, uh, Courtney served as associate professor of marketing at Louisiana State University. Courtney studies food from a sensory marketing perspective. She examines how subtle aspects of a food product, a store or a restaurant impringe on consumers' senses to influence their valuations and behaviors. Today, she's here to talk about one such aspect of the beverage a person drinks before shopping, which relates to the sense of taste and can influence spending behavior. In particular, she's going to be talking about a paper that that was uh, the outcome of the research that they that, that she and her colleagues uh, conducted. The title of that paper is "Caffeine's Effects on Consumer Spending," and it was published in the Journal of Marketing in 2023, earlier this year. Uh, Dr. Zox, uh, welcome to All in Foods. Uh, Foods, uh, we're delighted to have you here today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored. So, uh, Courtney, you studied the effects of caffeine consumption on shopping behavior. Can you tell us a little bit about what motivated this study? Sure. So, as many of my projects sort of come about, it was just kind of a random um, thing that I noticed. And then I I started uh, talking about it with um, one of my co-authors. And so... At the time um, that the the idea came about for this paper, I was living on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. And one of the things I noticed was that many of the uh, retailers out there had complimentary coffee for the customers to enjoy while they shopped. And, you know, I just, I guess I noticed that. And then... I started really thinking about how often or noticing rather how often I'd be out shopping and I would see people, you know, with their Starbucks cup or uh, Seattle's best coffee cup shopping around. And even when we online shop, a lot of times, you know, it's after we've had a cup of coffee or another caffeinated beverage, tea, soda, et cetera. And so um, I started really just 
talking with my colleague Dip Biswa about this. And, you know, we did a bit of research and we noticed that about 85% of adults in the U.S. have a caffeinated beverage every day. And, you know, while some stores offer coffee free, others like Target, for example, or Nordstrom have these cafes housed within their store or adjacent to the store. And so we really just wondered, you know, from a strategic perspective, could this have some impact on consumer shopping behavior? And so that's really where this all started out was just a simple marketplace observation. Yeah, that is really fascinating. And in fact, when you now that you you, you say this, there they they even serve they even have free coffee oftentimes you know in uh, places you wouldn't expect them, such as uh, like a hardware store. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that's that is very fascinating. Um, so so tell us, you know, these research studies always have a conceptual argument. Given what you observed, what did you think was happening? Sure. So there's a rich body of literature on caffeine's effects. Um, So, you know, technically caffeine is the most commonly consumed psychostimulant. So it stimulates the mind and the body. And it basically puts us in this state of um, high energy and excitement. And that's quite frankly, why most people drink it, right? Are for these energizing effects. And so When we went through the literature, there were tons of studies showing that, you know, even a small dose of caffeine, 30 to 50 milligrams, which 30 is less than a cup of coffee, which usually would have about 50 to 60 milligrams, it can have sort of these almost immediate arousing effects. And so what we also know from literature unrelated to caffeine is that when consumers are in this sort of energetic or excited state, their attentional capacity tends to be reduced. They have um, less or fewer resources, I should say, available for making, you know, other kinds of decisions. And so what tends to happen is they become more impulsive and less controlled. From a neurological Mm -hmm. standpoint, caffeine leads to um, dopamine, increased dopamine in the brain, and dopamine leads to more impulsive behaviors. And so we said, okay, well, given that caffeine leads to this energetic and excited state, and the excited or energetic state leads to impulsivity, in theory, having a caffeinated beverage as opposed to a non-caffeinated beverage should lead to more impulsive shopping behavior. Mm. Okay, so you 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 said you shared a lot of stuff there, but, but we'll unpack that. Um, but now I'm getting curious, and I'm sure the listeners are too. Uh, tell us how did you conduct the study, um, and what were your main findings? And, and then let's come back to some of the interesting things that you said already um, in sure. your previous comment. So, um, you know, as with any paper, we conducted a number of studies, um, and most of our studies we partnered with retailers where um, we would kind of work with the retailer, we would pay for the um, sample. So we would provide either free decaffeinated coffee or regular coffee, or uh, in a couple of cases, we provided a bottle of mineral water as Mm -hmm. customers or shoppers entered the store. 
and they had to consume it. We told them that, you know, for uh, sort of sanitary reasons, the retailer didn't want it around the store. Um, so they consumed it in front of us and then they were just allowed to shop. I mean, these are regular people just entering a store on the mm -hmm. way out. Uh, another research assistant intercepted them. And in most cases, we just asked to note down what they purchased. Um, so number of items and how much they spent. In some cases, we actually noted the specific items. So what we found then was that the people who had consumed the caffeinated beverage, either regular coffee versus decaf or regular uh, coffee instead of the bottled water, tended to buy more items, so a, a higher number, and they spent a greater dollar amount. Mm. So so the argument that you, so based on the argument that you earlier presented, and you said that the, the, the consumption of caffeine reduced their, or resources, I think is the word that you used, right? Mm -hmm. um, sure. So, so, te so, so tell us what does resource mean here and how does that relate to your findings? Sure. So it, it just basically means the um, the mental capacity that you devote to the decision, right? And mm. so typically what happens is when you're in this more excited state, you um, tend to be less controlled, right? You're a little bit more distracted. And so mm. that's where you become more impulsive. And we had these field studies where we provided, you know, the behavioral evidence, and then we had to go into the lab in a more controlled setting and really test the mechanism that was driving this. And you, so you you did something really interesting that you actually went into the stores, uh, like a field study or a real-time experiment, if you want to sure. call it, a, a quasi-experiment, right? Mm -hmm. So that must have been, so what are some of the challenges that you faced in doing this? Sure. Well, um, you know, retailers have a vested interest in making sure that you're not going to negatively impact the shopper experience or their bottom line. And so going in, we were very clear that we would not, you know, be disruptive. We would simply be giving out or having the research assistants provide the free samples, which most people are, are generally pretty happy about something for free. Um, mm -hmm. We also, you know, we weren't allowed to note down or take pictures of the receipts or note down any payment information or personally identifying information from mm -hmm. the shoppers so that they didn't feel, um, you know, that we were infringing on their privacy. And we did not really aside from giving them the beverage we didn't interact with them while they were shopping so they were free to carry out their business and so you know once we we talked through those things and we said to the retailer hey we think that we can show you this is actually going to positively impact your bottom line mm. then then people were really receptive interesting um, and so you, the other thing that you said earlier was the, the type of coffee. So depending upon uh, what kind of, I, I, you didn't say that, but I, I think it sort of is implied that not all coffee um, products will have the same amount of caffeine. Would that be exactly. correct to say? That is absolutely correct to say. So in your study, you used uh, a simple 
just a regular cup of coffee yes but if you but if you were to sorry go ahead yeah or the like these little espresso pods um we use so if there are other mixed drinks if you want to call it in, in the coffee space they could oftentimes have more than one espresso shot and that increases that stimulant oh absolutely and you know just overhearing other consumers order at the coffee shop you know sometimes people will have oh an extra shot in the latte or something else and so then you're just further increasing the caffeine caffeine's also available in other formats too um so you know it could come from chocolate soda some individuals may uh, have an energy drink or even take caffeine pills mm, correct yeah absolutely okay wow that's really interesting um and then uh, so the the increased impulsivity you could very easily you could you could observe that on the on on the receipts or or the purchases outcomes of these uh, customers the participants yes yes yeah. now um courtney you also did something else in the study and that relates to what we what we call hedonic versus non hedonic products um i want to get to that but before we do um uh, we usually pause for a quiz question for our um audiences so let's do that and then come back to some uh, other things that you found interesting interesting things that you found in your study would that be okay sure that's fine okay great so for our listeners um Today's uh, question relates very much to coffee um and a little bit on sustainability as well. So the question is how much water do you think is used from farm to cup for uh coffee? So for one cup of coffee. So we'll talk about that and related issues uh, after our discussion with Dr. Sox. So Courtney, there was an additional Uh, dimension to your study where you looked at hedonic versus non-hedonic products tell us what you found and and what do these what does it mean for uh, our listeners when you say hedonic versus non-hedonic sure so when we talk about products that are hedonic or non-hedonic uh, or high and low hedonic what we're really talking about is how some products those that are more hedonic in nature provide sort of this immediate pleasure or an immediate uh benefit of consumption. So, you know, think about coffee, it's going to be tasty and delicious right away or other indulgent food items would be high hedonic. Whereas there's other items that you may select and those are going to have more delayed benefits. So, for example, you know, something like office supplies or, you know, an apple may taste good but a lot of times consumers are thinking sort of the long term benefits is this useful will i get you know will it positively impact my life in some way through either its functional aspect or you know keeping me healthy and so what we noticed is that caffeine was especially likely to increase spending and selection of high hedonic products so things you know that are consumed primarily for their immediate benefit or pleasure and that mm. and that's because those sort of high hedonic products are typically the ones that um are most prone to impulse right because they provide that immediate 
gratification. Hmm. Interesting. You know, going back to what you were talking about, the resource, uh, so the cognitive resource that is required to process that choice. How does that differ between hedonic and non-hedonic in the sense, what do we know about hedonic and non-hedonic consumption um, that that sort of adds uh, to your explanations from the study? Sure. So we know that generally people are sort of drawn to high hedonic products because of the immediate pleasure that they provide. But mm. there also is sort of a guilt aspect, right? So I'm drawn towards this delicious chocolate. However, I know that it's not what I should have because it's maybe not good for my health. Or if I have it, I'll have to, you know, be healthier later. And so oftentimes when our resources are reduced, the appeal of those products uh, or the allure of them is stronger, right? And so that was Mm. really how this high hedonic piece tied in to the effects of caffeine. That's interesting. It's it's almost like the self is finding an opportune time to make that choice. Exactly. Right, which otherwise would you'll have to incorporate that guilt, and then that might impact you not to make that choice. Exactly. Fascinating. So, um, uh, Courtney, what are the implications of your study beyond obviously, you know, the what you what you talked about was shopping, but I'm sure this this has got to have uh, broader implications as well, right? Sure. Sure. So. You know, really, I guess I would say think about um, the timing of your caffeine consumption. It, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are on a tight budget trying to exercise self-control, trying to not buy things you maybe don't need, then I would encourage you to really think twice about having that free cup of coffee at a store or stopping, you know, at the on-site coffee shop before doing your shopping because it's probably going to impact your spending later um and so you know if there's something you really don't need then you're going to be less tempted to purchase it if you have not had that caffeine as i was reading your as i was reading your paper and thinking about our discussion i I thought of another instance where i i'm so uh, uh all um uh, full disclosure, I love coffee and I have my uh, uh, two cups of coffee a day. I hope that's not too much. Um, <laughs> so one of the times that I tend to have coffee is when I'm driving. And it was interesting. The other day I had to do a long trip and I was, uh, obviously I like the coffee I make. And I was thinking about maybe I should add another cup of coffee filled for the return trip and i said no wait a minute that doesn't sound right so what what do you what do you think about other instances Uh, you know let's suppose you you have to do this study again do you think this could have implications on other activities that we do where coffee consumption can be high sure i mean i think that you know depending on the amount of of caffeine and what you're doing, there could 
be good or bad effects. So if you have, for example, a job where it's maybe more tedious, maybe you have to proofread, you know, your or grade student assignments. Well, in that case, maybe that energy that you get would be a good thing, right? You're just, you don't need a lot of cognitive control or self-control. You just need to be able to go through it. Um, and so I think in those cases, perhaps having coffee can be a good thing. You just really need to think about whether or not self-control and impulsivity is going to factor into the decision in some way that's harmful. Yeah, and I'm glad you said the the positive side of things because you know coffee is also um, from a health benefit point of view, and 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 I know uh, listeners and consumers are sometimes off. I, I am too frustrated that we have a new study that says okay, don't drink this or don't eat that. But generally speaking, caffeine can also have some health benefits, right? So such as long term memory, etc. Absolutely, absolutely, and like I said, you know if you need to stay awake for something or need to, you know, whatever it is, you have the night shift, you should absolutely have the caffeine. Um, It it really just depends on whether you're going to need to exert that self-control or not. So the situation matters. And obviously, as you rightly said, the amount matters. Of course. Okay. And that's, that's where the responsible consumption part comes in. Courtney, thank you. This is a fascinating study. You know, it's, um, as I was sharing earlier, I mean, there's so many influences on our choices uh, that the more we are aware and, and, and cognizant of those, the, those factors, hopefully the more we can uh, manage them. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be here. Um, so hang around for our uh, answer to our, our quiz question. According to uh, according to Project Waterfall, it can take up to 140 liters of water to produce one cup of coffee. The most water is used um, uh, during production and cultivation as well. Um, and one of the things that coffee uh, growers have to do is to check whether the uh, the, the coffee the beans are ripe, or as they're called, the uh, the coffee cherries. These cherries are placed in large pots of water to see whether they will sink, which would indicate that they have, uh, they are re- they are ready and they are ripe. Then the water used for the brewing process also adds to the usage. This is largely to ensure that the water used for coffee is clean and filtered so that the coffee tastes good. Um, I, I, I was also surprised to hear about the 140 liters of water as much as we cannot control those other two things. I do think that we can avoid the wastage of coffee. So just remember what goes into that cup of coffee. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with two or more people who you think will benefit from listening to it. And as always, make safe and informed food choices. Uh, Dr. Zox, thank you for being with us today. It was, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Until next time from the All in Food Studios, this is Amit Sharma. Thank you for listening.